Masaru Emoto spoke about how human consciousness can affect the molecular structure of water. His book called The Hidden Messages in Water is a New York Times bestseller. Understanding principles of quantum biology help us understand the why behind many ancient customs. The tools might be simple interventions, but their effects are indeed powerful on systems in the body, sleep and overall health. In today's episode, we will answer three key questions. One, what are the tools in quantum biology to biohack sleep and health? Two, what are the ways we can charge our water battery within us? Three, what is the right sun exposure to help us and not harm us? Quantum biology has always resonated with ancient modalities such as yoga, bringing light to esoteric wisdom. Carrie B. has focused her work on educating the world on quantum biology. Her BS in biology, MS in nutrition and being the faculty member of the Quantum Biology Collective makes her the perfect guest for this topic. You can read her full bio in the show notes of this episode. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, Author and Yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Harry, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. And probably there are aspects of using different tools from various aspects, be it ancient wisdom, be it more cutting-edge sciences, bringing it all together into a space which really benefits us. Uh, and I can see that red bulb behind you, which already tells me a little bit about what's going on with your sleep and how in tune you are with that. Uh, usually it's me who's the other way around with my red blue light blockers. And um, so let's jump into the conversation. You mentioned that you have three kids. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how did you manage sleep amidst having three kids because it can be chaotic with just one. Uh, so give our, give our little mummies uh, some uh, peek into your life just to see how did you restore sleep amidst all this daily chaos? You know, that's a, that's a great question, right? I, I think that's ultimately what kind of got me into the quantum biology aspect because I could 
I recognized that, uh, you know, I was told, I, I guess I was told by doctors that the circadian rhythm of babies doesn't, doesn't develop for three months, or there's a, there's a lag for their melatonin production. And, uh, my first child was a horrible sleeper. Like, you know, the kid that was sleeping in 40 minute stretches and I was up at night then on my phone, staring at my screen, like Googling, how do I get my child to sleep better? Meanwhile, I have like this uh, monitor, you know, right next to his bed and this nightlight on. And all that was for me, right? As a new mom, all that was for me to feel safe with my child, you know, sleeping in the other room. Um, And I realized that a couple of things were really negatively impacting his sleep. And then it translated to me. It's like, why am I all of a sudden? I mean, I'm, I'm beyond the new mom tired now, right? Like this is a year into it. What's going on? Um, And so I really started getting into other aspects of health that weren't what I was typically looking at. At the time, I was working with people as a massage therapist, a personal trainer, and a clinical nutritionist. And I said, this isn't the end all be all. There has to be another level of a foundational level that's really impacting people's health. And that's when I discovered a lot of research and work in quantum biology, mainly around a neurosurgeon named Jack Cruz but he got me into looking at my light environment and how the light that was around me was affecting both my wakefulness, my mood, my inflammation, and ultimately sleep. And so by the time baby number two and then baby number three came around, like you better believe those kids were outside all the time, sunrise, they saw the sunset, we had do we dim the house at night? Night, you can, as like as you can tell, our house does not look very typical um, in the early morning and in the evening because we recognize how light impacts the signal to sleep, and so we preserve that at all costs. And then also utilize the signals from the sun to do other things that help us sleep. Um, you know, because I think re- I really think good sleep starts with good morning sunlight, and so we started getting the kids morning sunlight, and it just went from there. Absolutely, Carrie. And it just took my mind back to when I was a child. And you know, in India back then, the electricity would go off a lot. And we'd always be forced to sit in candlelight, have dinners in candlelight, even read our books for school in candlelight, which thinking back, there was something so sacred to that, that whole gentle light of the flame of a candle versus these bright lights that we're exposed to. And the other aspect of all that you're seeing is that even though we're living in a world where there's so much talk about circadian cycle, and light truly when it comes into going into each person's home you see so many people making the mistakes of scrolling through social media when they lose sleep in the middle of the night or uh, mummies who have kids who are a year old and the moment the child wakes up, they're switching on a light to feed them. And then the child's not going back to sleep. They're not going back to sleep. So I truly think that while theoretically we are talking about it, practically it still needs to percolate down quite a bit more. Uh, so let's just jump into what do you mean by quantum biology? Break that up. Uh, so, so, you know, like when we typically think of how to take care of our bodies or, you know, how to heal the body, or even if we're dealing with some disease of some sort, and we're looking to work with our body through that disease. 
we, we have a couple of tools that are common, right? The common tools maybe traditionally are things like pharmaceuticals and surgery. Surgery works at like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to manipulate the tissue or the organ. Um, pharmaceuticals work at, I'm going to manipulate some chemicals, supplements too. I'm going to manipulate some chemical aspect of the body. But if we look at how the body is actually structured at the most foundational level, you have organs that are made up of cells that are made up of proteins that are made up of molecules that are made up of atoms. And those atoms are made up of like, you know, what I, what I learned about in high school chemistry so long ago, electrons, protons, and neutrons. And so really we're just a bunch of subatomic particles interacting to try to, to try to create health. Our body's always adapting to try to create health. The body doesn't want to adapt to create disease, but sometimes diseases manifest when we give the body the wrong signals and the wrong inputs, and it adapts in a way that's not ultimately beneficial for us. So quantum biology is basically like you were talking about in the intro, it's, it's reconnecting with these ancient strategies of healing that have been around for thousands of years using sunlight and using, um, you know, uh, various even plant remedies and things like that, but it's, it's impacting things at that subatomic particle level. So for my brain, my, my, my scientist brain goes, it's like, it's like explaining how all of these beautiful ancient practices have been so healing for the body, but just now I have a quantum language to talk about it. And uh, I would love for you to break that apart. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about, you did mention taking your uh, baby number two and baby number three into that morning sunlight. So is it about that? Is it about understanding how to work with the diurnal rhythms? Is it uh, aspects, something like grounding or uh, you mentioned our cells at the core are made of electrons and protons. So what happens to cellular function, mitochondria? <laughs> how is the, how are we looking at that? Is there so much of conversation into mitochondrial health? Uh, and just today I was listening to somebody who was talking about how we can't heal from anything if our mitochondria are not in the right state of where they should be because the cellular function is what is impacting our overall healing. Uh, so let's go into all these aspects and then we can look at how can we use quantum biology to improve our sleep and our waking lives. That's okay. That's excellent, Deepa, because you're exactly right. The mitochondria are like the hub. They're like the central controller of the cell for several reasons. And so we look at quantum biology really does intersect with the mitochondria and it intersects from what we have from the outside of our bodies. So outside of us, we have light, right? And light is a prime signal to the mitochondria for them to decide how and when to make energy. And I, I, in quantum biology, we look at energy a little bit differently. We hear the mitochondria take electrons and make ATP. And we always focus on the ATP, but we miss that the step before ATP is made water is made. And so is infrared heat and the water inside of our bodies. This is a special topic in quantum biology that I am so passionate about because the water inside of our bodies acts differently than water in a glass. 
Um, and so we have to recognize that we have some very special properties of water that actually help our cells maintain energy. And for a cell to maintain energy, it's called having enough electrons or enough negative charge. That's not like woo or out, out, you know, out of this world. Like anyone who's studied traditional medicine or biology recognizes that a cell needs what's called a net negative charge. And that's just electrons. And as soon as it starts to not have that negative charge, it, it can't make the ATP, the mitochondria can't make the ATP, the mitochondria can't make the water. And it's like a cell phone battery that drains to the point where the battery has to go and the phone has to go into like preservation mode. So, you know, you might not be able to live stream something or download something, and maybe your phone screen dims a lot. And that's the same thing that happens at the cellular level. If the mitochondria don't have enough electrons to make the water, make the ATP and make the infrared heat inside of the cell, then all of that, that's where functions start to go awry. And mitochondria signal to the DNA using light. It's called reactive oxygen species. We hear about like oxidation, but all of those are just photons of light. And so when the photon signaling to the DNA is off, we're having poor mitochondria to DNA communication. That's where the cell starts to create more dysfunction. Cause it's like, what protein am I supposed to make when I'm not getting the message? And so that's, that's what's happening at the cellular level. And it really is quantum biology at play. And I just wanted to stay with water for a little more, Carrie, because I loved your analogy about the battery. I mean, to think of myself dimming down like my phone is going down without a charge, that was really uh, opening my eyes for me. And I know that uh, you also mentioned this is not woo-woo and that's very relevant. In fact, it's not even woo-woo when uh, there's talk about how uh, we are predominantly water, which is why you'll find that there are certain fluctuations with the moon cycle and even that's not considered woo-woo. But I'd love for us to talk a little bit more about water because water is something I'm fascinated by. Uh, the Emoto study of how uh, energy affects water. I mean, how much more can we prove? So let's talk a little bit more about water and what is this saying for us personally? Well, yeah, I, so the topic of water, and I'm so happy that you brought up Emoto's work because that ties into all this for sure. And it, it kind of brings home why emotions impact our health. But what happens here is... Uh, the water inside of our bodies, there's a researcher named Gerald Pollack, who's really brought this to the forefront. And he has a, written a book called The Fourth Phase of Water. And what he has discovered is that inside of the cell, next to all cellular surfaces, molecular surfaces, surrounding every protein, every organelle, surrounding everything in the cell and outside of the cell, water actually does something different. It structures itself. So instead of being kind of liquidy, it's almost structures itself to more like a gel phase, like, like jello, right? <laughs> like gelatin. Um, and when it's in that gel phase, it becomes very ordered. So water is, we know water, right? H2O, a very simple chemical formula. Um, and when it's in a glass, the H's and there's, you know, in, in two H's and an O, and they're kind of sloshing with other H's and O's and kind of moving all around randomly. But inside of our bodies, the H's and the O's organize themselves into hexagons. And so they literally organize themselves very much like you would see water in its crystalline state, like in ice, but it's still a liquid. So the water inside of us is called a liquid crystal. 
And when it forms that hexagon and that structure part, it doesn't form it all the way everywhere. I mean, it's a lot of it is that, but you have an area of the structure and then you have an area that's called just the bulk water, a smaller area where it is like the H2O that we think of. And what Gerald Pollack's lab found was that the structured part actually has a negative charge. And then the bulk part has a positive charge. And when he actually stuck two little probes, one into the negative and one into the positive, he lit up a light bulb. And it just goes to show you that perhaps we're overlooking a huge source of energy in the body. When we say we have to get all of our electrons from food, and that's how our ATP is made, that's how our mitochondria function. I think we're missing the fact that we can do things to improve this water battery inside of our cells to provide that negative charge for the cells and to provide us with energy. And I think, Carrie, recently there's been a lot of research into structured water and bulk water and the role of heart health and how much it's the plaque the formation in the arteries has to do with imbalance in these areas. So what can we do when we're talking about water and how, how, how can we support ourselves? The, the coolest thing about it is this water should, should right, right, be forming spontaneously inside of us. So we have to ask ourselves, if it's not, why not? You know, what are things that might be disturbing that water formation? And what are things we can do to support it? And so we get clues from inside of the cell because the mitochondria makes our cellular water. It, it's kind of a misnomer that the water we drink goes all the way into the cells. That's not the main source of our cellular hydration. It's the water our mitochondria make. And those mitochondria also make infrared heat. It just so happens that infrared is the light frequency that can expand this structured water inside of us fourfold. So when our mitochondria are functioning well, they're making the heat that maintains our battery. And when they can't function well, they're not able to. So, so then that's where we look at, okay, how can we help our mitochondria? And how can we then maybe provide alternative sources of infrared that help my body hold that structure? And infrared is a light frequency that can penetrate really deep into the body. You know, ultraviolet light, ultraviolet B just penetrates to the surface. Ultraviolet A goes a little deeper to the blood vessels. Like, you know, every light frequency in the rainbow goes up from a very shallow penetration at the ultraviolet to a very deep penetration when you get to the infrared. And so the infrared frequency of sunlight just so happens to be there from sunrise to sunset. That's 42% of light is infrared from, from all of our waking hours. So literally being in the sun with our body exposed to the light is another way that we can kind of charge this water battery and maintain this energy, this structured water that's called exclusion zone water inside of our cells. So we keep that negative charge. We keep our, our, our electrons flowing and we can function at full capacity. Carrie, I'm not going to let you jump into another area just yet. We're going to stay with this a little longer because there's so sure. much in this. And uh, I just want to ask you also about there's so much fear about being out in the sunlight, right? There's still people slathering their body with sunscreen from head to toe. Uh, so first of all, just clarify to us that... Um, is, is it fine? Do we just go lie there in the sun no matter where we are in the world? Uh, and two is that what about other forms of infrared? Um, do we use the light? Can we get uh, benefits from using infrared light? So just talk to us about that. 
Sure, sure. I do think there's a lot of um, myths around sun exposure and a lot of fear around sun exposure. Uh, I, I don't think that we can necessarily go from, you know, I, I'm just ending winter where I'm at. So I don't think it would be prudent for me to go from middle of winter where there wasn't much intense sunlight to the equator for a month and just think that I could lay out, you know, bare in the sun from sunrise till sunset. That wouldn't make sense because I wouldn't have had the time to photo adapt, it's called. But we're starting to reach the period of almost spring here. And this is the perfect time for me to, to, to photo adapt, it's called. So it's like, it's not like the sun is always the same intensity. The intensity builds up until, you know, the middle of summer and then starts to go back down. And so if I can start to get my body exposed to the light early, I can adapt because the sun, I have adaptations in my skin, lots of them and adaptations through my eyes. So one of the things, the mistakes that people make when they go to the beach or they want to get sun exposure is they wear sunglasses and sunglasses block some key signaling pathways that prevent their skin from maybe making a little bit of a tan or building a little bit of something called urocanic acid up, which is a natural UV filter. And so when we do it in a way that, that we're supposed to, you know, with nature, build it up from early spring onward and with naked eyes to allow the signals to get, you know, transduced into photo adaptations in my skin. It's a very healthy thing. Now, that being said, for people who are fearful of the sun, they're mostly fearful of the ultraviolet spectrum, right? Which I don't think we should be, but it's important to note that there's a, a time, a window in the morning from sunrise until about, you know, an hour or so later and, or longer, depending on where you're located, where there's no UV light, but tons of infrared, same thing at sunset. So if someone just wants to start getting the exposure from the sun, do it in the morning, do it in the evening. And then there's no ultraviolet light that you have to maybe work through that process with. But also, like you mentioned, I have this panel that I have here, right? That's a red light panel. So it's got two frequencies of red light and two frequencies of infrared. I really think that one of the benefits of this photobiomodulation that is really booming, this red light therapy that's booming these days is because of its impact on the water in our bodies. It's building up that charge so that we can heal old injuries. We can heal collagen. We can heal traumatic brain injuries. And I think it really has to do with how it affects the water, but that the, the infrared a unifying factor, Deepa, in, in everything. So exercise, I make my own infrared. So could exercise, the benefit of exercise be charging my water battery sauna. Am I charging my water battery cuddling with my children, cuddling with my spouse? Am I charging up my water battery? So, um, and then even what you mentioned with bringing back in that Masaru Emoto research, where he would say beautiful words or think beautiful words to water. And it would either form a very lovely crystal. If we were, he was thinking words of love or, it, or, you know, love, gratitude, joy, or if he was thinking words of hate anger, it wouldn't structure itself at all. The water wouldn't structure itself. So I really also think that emotions come into play to help us maintain that structured water inside of our bodies as well. So the infrared, the emotions, all of that can really help support this water battery. And I think you mentioned the, how you adjust to the light. You mentioned that I can't really go from winter into, you know, being in the equator. And I suppose if you're in a specific area on a planet, that nature has a way of adapting that for you because it never just goes like a switch off from season to season. There's always a 
a cusp where it's blending into each other very gently. So I think nature really is very, very brilliant and lovely, Carrie. And where can people find you if they like to know more about your work? I know you spoke about Instagram and I'd love to go now and take a look at your videos or photos of your feet in the sand. <laughs> Um, so yeah, every, every day you'll see on my stories at Carrie B wellness. So Carrie B wellness, you'll find me on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I also have a website as well. So I do take select clients one-on-one -on -one that's getting pretty booked up these days, but I, I still love interacting with people that way. Um, and then also I, if you stay in touch with my newsletter, so sign up for my newsletter, cause I offer courses in quantum health and quantum biology. Um, we're just going to be offering a circadian rhythm reset. So, I mean, there's things that if this is interesting to you, stay, stay in touch with me in some way, and you'll make sure we'll make sure you get the information about how to apply this stuff with my help. Lovely, Gary. Pleasure having you here today. And uh, it was a great conversation, which just literally flew by. Uh, so thanks for your time and would love to see you again sometime. Thank you so much for this chat. I just loved chatting with you. It was lovely, lovely. And I really appreciate the message you're bringing to the world. So thank you, Deepa. And I'd love to chat with you again. On this episode, we heard Gary talk about quantum biology. Emoto and structured water. There is so much that we can do every day to support healing and health. The best way to do this is to add one practice every week, which doesn't take too much of your time. Recharging the water batteries akin to what ancient yogis spoke about prana and energy. Water absorbs photon energy and creates movement. The heart is the farthest point for the flow of blood. We all have water inside of ourselves which creates and requires movement. When we ground our body to the sand or the earth, this absorbs electrons from the earth, increasing the movement in the water layer. This has profound benefits to the cardiovascular system. Ayurveda also talks about how the environment has notable effects on the doshas, which are the energies within our bodies. Taking a walk in moderate sunlight of the early morning sun is great to build Agni. If we consider all this, this means that just spending 10 minutes in the early morning sun is powerful in recharging our water battery, strengthening Agni, our digestive fire, balancing our doshas which are the inner energies and increasing our prana. Make an intention to pop out into the sunlight in the early morning in any activity which can be your me time. It helps you get the infrared light, regulate your circadian rhythm to the diurnal rhythm of nature and improve your sleep, all the while helping your overall health. Have a wonderful day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. 
This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition. Be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health condition. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.